Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. This is fire. Oh, I like fire. Oh, don't you touch. Never touch fire. You're only a parent when it suits you. Well, the rest you're of the only time, nice you to me when you need life, something. So you can still feel like alcohol. The rest of the time, you're just a stuck-up little... It's not my fault you got pregnant in high school. Just we love you, Chet, and we're very proud of you, is what your father's trying to say. Now, come on, Walter. He's not dying. He's going to college. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Hello, guys. Hello, everyone. My name is Omar Ramos. Welcome to another episode of The Struggle is Real. Like always, joining me, my super friend, Veronica Avila. How are you, Omar? Good morning. Now, and filling in for a resident expert, Dr. Alicia Laos is Dr. James Hamawan. He's a clinical psychologist, researcher, and tech expert at Family Bridges. Welcome back, Dr. James. Thanks, God. It's always great to be here and share some time with you guys. Thank you, Dr. Hamawan, for joining us, like always. Uh, today's topic is, where are you guiding your children? To help us unveil the path, we've invited Steve Carter, teaching past for Willow Creek Community Church, will receive speaker to adults and students, author of the book, This Invitational Life, and co-host of the Relevant Sports Podcast. He's married to his wife, Sarah, and they have two kids, Emerson and Mercy June, and their dog, Biscuit, of course. Welcome, Pastor Steve. Hey, it's so good to be with you guys. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. And we are looking forward to hearing more about the path that our parents may have given us. Now, the question is, here goes the icebreaker. Do you feel that your parents provided a path for your life and how so? You know what, in my sense, I think my parents focused a lot of their teachings with my siblings and I religion based. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get somewhere in life by fearing God. Also, my parents were not very communicative with us, and I think it had a lot to do with the way that they were brought up. However, they exemplified what they wanted for us through hard work. My dad was always in the orchards harvesting fruits and crops, and my mom was always the uh, home doing this and doing that, and they were just kind of putting the example for us. So I think that's the way that they were trying to create that path, that lesson. Hey, this is the way that we want you guys to do. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of person that we want you to like become someday when you're adults. For sure. Doctor? Obviously, my parents have had a, a huge impact on my life. I and mean, I, a lot of the things I value today, the things I'm interested in, the things that I enjoy doing, the things that I, I've learned how to do are because of the example that my parents have set. You know, I, I'm able to do things around the house because my father was in construction. I know a lot of guys nowadays may not know one end from the hammer from another, but I can pretty much do almost anything in construction which psychologists always love. But uh, <laughs> that's because of him. I learned that because of him and because of his father before him and my mom's father, you know, that, that passes down. And my mom, I mean, I wouldn't be a doctor today, realistically, if my mom hadn't been pushing me and saying, you know, you, you're smarter than this, you're better than this, you need to go out and, and be the best that you can be, don't settle. It's great to be a doctor, but it's a lot of work. And if she hadn't been there, you know, kind of pushing me on saying, you need to get this done, I don't know that I would have gotten it done. So yeah, they absolutely, parents are a huge impact. Phenomenal. Pastor Steve? Yeah, my, my parents, they didn't have a faith background, mm -hmm. and so, but what they did have was just a, a commitment to hard work. I grew up in Southern California, so it was double income. They, they both were up super early. That was just a piece that they instilled in me. Uh, you hustle, you work mm -hmm. hard. I also think my mom, she could be a mayor, like she could just walk into a room and own a room. And I, I feel like I was an introverted kid who learned how to be extroverted because my mom was mm -hmm. so good at creating connections. And so there was ways that just watching her or watching my dad approach something that's just carried over into what I do now. 
Love it. Love it. I'm going to agree with all of you. I think I also come from a background with my parents who were very hardworking, both of them. Yes. Dr. James, you said something about go out there and do something more than I, that I could have done. I think my dad used to always say that. I want mm -hmm. you to go to school. He didn't have the opportunity to go to school past sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So he always said, go to school, make someone of yourself. I don't want you to, to break your back and, you know, just go out there and, and get a career, etc. And my mom was a nurturer, but she also was that cheerleader, right? Keep going. Keep going. You got this. You can do this. If you fall, you, you get up and you keep going. So, yes, definitely. I can see that parents, we have an impact on our kids. If mm -hmm. our parents did that to us, how much more can we also do for our own kids? Hopefully that's something that we can learn today. So why don't we go into our first skit? Our first skit is called, I Don't Need a Friend. Oh, Dad, oh, what are you doing? Why are we here? Quiet, little one. Time me teach you. You almost big one. You need to know... Ways of world. I know ways of world. I am man. Oh, you think you man, but there's still much you not know. Like what? Like this. This is fire. Oh, I like fire. Oh, don't you touch. Never touch fire. What fire? Fire, many things. Fire, light. Fire, warm. Fire cook food. Food? I said no touch, little one, no touch. Must never touch. Where fire come from? Fire very mysterious. No one know where fire come from or where it go when gone. Who show you fire? Dave, from down the street. Dave! Oh, Dave. Now me show you how carry fire with torch. BRB. Oh, fire very warm. Fire, pretty. What if I touch fire? Me want to make fire friend. Oh, 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 What happened, little one? I gone only short time. Fire bit my hand. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, you touch fire when I tell you no touch fire? I want to make fire friend, but fire no friend, fire enemy. No, little one. Fire no enemy, fire no friend, fire no have feelings, fire tool. Look at me. Oh, you understand? Oh, yes. Fire tool, fire dangerous, fire hurt hand. Let me see hand. Ah, you'll be fine. Sometimes little one have to burn hand on fire, I suppose. Now, you know fire, and I teach you wheel. What? Wheel. Wheel. See, <laughs> little dad humor. And we are back. Mm. Mm. We just heard Cave Dad teaching Cave Son about the fire. We also heard Dad warn him about touching the fire, and the son touched it anyway. Mm. In that sense, things haven't changed much for parents still want to teach their children about different things in life. And many times the kids will do the opposite of what we teach them. Pastor Steve, why does this happen in your point of view? I feel like deep within us is this desire to explore. I think even from the very beginning in the garden, there's this belief that someone is holding back mm -hmm. the best for us. Even the enemy, the, the serpent in the garden is kind of like, hey, did God really say that? Oh, God knows if you do this, then you will be like God. And I, I think that there's something within kids that are trying to make sense 
of all the stuff that they are perceiving about the world, about their bodies, about their heart, about their feelings. And yet there's this sense of, is mom and dad like, do they really have my best intentions? Are they really just trying to keep me safe? Are they letting me become who I think I can become? There is a dance that a parent, that a mentor, that a guide has to be able to walk to do that really well. And oftentimes kids don't feel seen or feel heard or feel known. And so they're going to want to touch the fire. They're going to want to explore. But I think if you can guide them in wise ways, listen to them, ask great questions, help them interpret well what they are perceiving. I always will tell parents, kids are very perceptive. They're just not always the best interpreters of reality. Mm. And great guides, great parents can help a student interpret what they're feeling, interpret that desire to explore. And so that, that's where I get out of that sketch. Love that. Now, doctor, how do we prepare ourselves to help guide our kids and to really, just like Pastor Steve said, to really understand where they're coming from and kind of help them interpret that? I think it's important to understand that you know the brain is really this intensely complicated thing that is built to learn. It's built to discover. It's built to explore. It's built to make sense out of the world. We're constantly taking in information about the world around us. Mm -hmm. A million different things a second, of which we're only conscious of maybe 10 of them. But our brains are constantly trying to make sense of everything. What we're doing as kids, when we, you know, our parents are telling us what to do, you know, we, are, we have this kind of trust but verify attitude. You know, My mom and dad are probably looking out for me. I think they have my best intentions in mind, but I just want to make sure. And as, as a parent myself, if I'm going to make a mistake, it's great that my kids have this safety net that they're going to check and see, okay, if I tell them something, is that actually correct? Mm -hmm. And they're double checking that. Now, the, this is like a lot of things, a double-edged sword. They check it and they can get burned by the fire. But I would submit to you that Cave's son probably went to that fire already having his dad's word in his mind. He's hearing his dad saying, don't touch the fire, never touch fire. And he's thinking, all right, I'm not sure. I'm going to test this anyway. But he's being cautious. He's got his hand inching out there. He's ready to yank it back the minute anything bites him burns him. You know, he, he knows there's possibly danger here. If dad hadn't said anything at all, he could just throw himself in. Hey, this thing's warm. I'm going to jump right in. So even if our kids don't obey, they do listen to what we say and we do shape their behavior, even if we don't always manage to direct it. And it's very important to remember that your kids are listening. They're paying very mm -hmm. close attention to you. And even if they don't do what you tell them, they hear what you tell them. And it's it's with them. It makes a difference. Hmm. Now, how do we prepare ourselves for the moments when they do the opposite in case they don't follow your guidance? I think that's just it. You, you just have to be ready. You understand that you know, you're going to tell them and, and you're going to be disappointed. Things are going to happen that are not what you planned, but you work with them and you talk with them and, and you go over the situation and say, you know, I, I told you what to do. I understand you didn't do that. These are the consequences that come when you do that action. And this is why I was telling you not to do that. You're, you're trying to help them look ahead and, and make good choices because they don't see as far as you do always. But part of that learning is going back after the fact and saying, okay, now that you did this, here's what happened, here's the consequences, and, and here's how we can get through it. This isn't the end of the world. I think connected to that, I know life isn't math, but life is filled with problems. And mm -hmm. you want to really help a teenager be able to approach a problem and solve it well. And I think one of the ways that you do that, and I, I try to do this with my nine-year-old, is I want him to be able to show his work. You remember your teacher would say that in algebra or mm -hmm. geometry, like, show your work. I want to see how you, not just that you have the right answer. And I think sometimes parents will just say, hey, you got to know the right answer, but they're not kind of showing the work to get to that answer. Mm -hmm. And I, and I want to know how my son made the decision that he did, because sometimes it's one piece of information that he misinterpreted or he looked at 
probably not with wisdom, and that's what I want to correct. I think sometimes we shame the outcome or we try to correct the answer, the final product, rather than, hey, I saw you engage in this area well, and I saw you do it right here. And it was at this moment you chose your feelings Mm -hmm. or you chose frustration. And I totally get it because I've been there. I've been there, son. And yet, I want to tell you what you could have done. And we talk about those moments because when you begin to see, and the biggest gift that you can give your kid is are these maps, are these guides Mm -hmm. to be able to handle difficult situations with both grace and truth like Jesus came in the fullness. So that piece is how do I break a moment down, talking it through and listening well so that he feels understood and not that I'm just trying to coach him, but I, Mm -hmm. I understand how he got to the answer that he got to for better and for worse. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Good stuff. And, and talking about uh, communicating with our kids, Pastor Steve, how early do you start to form your kids? And is it too late to change patterns for those with preteens and teenage children? <laughs> I think it is a fight every day to create the margin and the space for healthy conversation and dialogue. Mm-hmm. Every moment is a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. And so I constantly on my drive home, I'm thinking, hey, what are two questions I can ask my son? What are a couple of questions I can ask my daughter? What is something that I found when I was sitting in my chair time looking at some passages of scripture? How can I ask Emerson for what he thinks this passage means? That's my son. And so I'm constantly trying to be really, really intentional. I've never seen a parent drift into a great relationship with their kids. I've only seen it done out of profound intention and decision after decision, not taking it personal when they're quiet in the car and they don't want to talk, but just keep being present, keep being Emmanuel, God with them, keep trying to help them, engage them, and look for experiences and moments that allow them to come alive and then learn as much as you can. And I think a great thing that uh, Pastor Steve is saying there is it's not just about is it too late to change the kid, it's can I change me? He's being very intentional. He's being very conscious. He's being very aware of what he is doing and changing what he needs to do to help guide them. So it's not just about changing the kid. It's you can change yourself, even at 40, even at 50, even at Mm -hmm. 70. Wow. Thank you for that. All right. So we're going to go ahead and proceed to our second sketch. This is called I Don't Need a Friend. Oh, look who's up. Morning, girl. Hey, Mom. How about we grab a latte? Or anything pumpkin spice. My treat. Are you kidding? It's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, okay. Sorry, not sorry. So, listen, I'm not trying to, like, come down on you here. Like, I'm not trying to be that mom, you know? (sighs) But a couple of school moms were worried about how prom's coming up and how last year was that big after party with all this, quote, underage drinking. Mom. I know, right. Total buzzkills. They had me like, uh, what? You know, I'm a fun mom. And really, I'm just like wanting to say you can do whatever you want. TBH, though, I wasn't so stoked on you coming home buzz the other night. But I know how high school goes. I remember what it's like. So I was thinking if we had an after party over here, then we could kind of like, Do whatever we want. What are you saying? Just 
like that I'm down with, you know, letting you guys do your thing in the basement. I can collect the keys when your friends get here and whatever happens, it's no big deal, you know, just so long as you and your friends are safe. Can people stay over? Of course. <laughs> can guys stay over? Um, I guess. So long as they're gone in the morning. Can we have alcohol? As long as I don't see it. Can you buy us alcohol? I'm not really sure about that one. So then what's the point? I just thought it could be fun for us. You know, throwing a party together, decorating together, picking the music together. I'm just trying to, you know, be cool. You're just trying to, you know, get out of being a mom. Somebody's a moody, Mandy. And somebody's just trying to crash my senior prom. Do you know how ridiculous you look sometimes? Um, why are you talking to me like this? I thought we were friends. You're only a parent when it suits you. Well, the if rest you're of the only time, nice you to me when you need life, something. So you can still like feel like a alcohol. The rest of the time, you're just a stuck-up little... It's not my fault you got pregnant in high school. Too much. Too much, right? This doesn't feel good. This isn't us. <sighs> Girl, just think about the party. You know, I have some cred with the moms. They'd feel good about me hosting. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, as soon as I figure out what's happening with my hair, I'm going to go grab a latte. I'll be back in 20 and then we can, I don't know, do something together. Burn off this negative energy. Maybe some Zumba? You want a Zumba? Whatever. Okay. Ay, caramba. Okay, so we're back. That was uh, quite a scene. We have Brandy, a very young mom who's trying very hard to be cool with her 17-year-old daughter, Mandy, and it's a hot mess. Now, doctor, what could possibly be going on through the mom's mind? I think in this situation, it's very clear that uh, mom is trying to be liked. And she, she mm -hmm. comes out and says, this isn't us. It doesn't have good feelings. She's just trying to be happy. She's trying to be connected. She's trying to you know bend over backwards and, and compromise any set of restrictions she might have had, any set of right behavior she might have had just to make her daughter happy, to be her daughter's friend so her daughter will like her. And I, I think it's important that we also look at what the daughter is going through here because she's got a mom who is not setting any limits whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And you know she says to her mom, you're only a mom when it suits you. You, you Most of the time, you don't, you're just trying to get out of being my mom and she realizes this is not right you know she knows that she should have someone here who's setting limits she should have someone here who's looking out for her who's looking down the road seeing things differently and helping her prepare and she realizes that's not there and yeah like a teenager she's kind of like okay can I push this can I push this what can I get out of it but at the same time she's feeling I got no safety net here there's nothing mm -hmm. to catch me I've just pushed the limits as far as I could and I found that yep I could jump right off that if I wanted to mm. and this is not a comfortable this is not a safe place for her no 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 it's not and we could feel that now, the, uh, Pastor Steve, what message can you give parents who may feel the urge to be that cool parent to their kids? It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see this happening, and I think deep down, the privilege and opportunity that comes with being a parent the responsibility mm -hmm. uh, just to, to pastor, to guide, to lead, to help, to shape, to form. But I think oftentimes we find our identity in our kids. We find our, our, our identity of who we are because of who and what they do or where they go to school or how well they do in a sport or what kind of profession they end up doing. I think there's a danger, inherent danger in that 
not just for the kid, but also for the parent. And so I think part of it is being really, really grounded and being committed that my child is going to get the best version of me. Mm-hmm. And so how, how do I, how am I working on my own identity and not trying to find my identity in my child? And this is a really difficult game for most parents because when their kid does well, they're like, I must have done well. Um, and yes, to a degree, but I think if you find too much attachment in being cool because they think you're cool, then it's just a downward spiral that it's not going to end well. I also saw that at the end, they were they went at it. They didn't talk about it, about the real issue going on here. They just kind of swept it under the rug and let's go get a, a latte or whatever. And, and this is not us and that's it. And you keep going. If you continue to do that as a parent, what can happen, doctor? You're setting yourself up to just undermine whatever respect your child has for you. You're setting your child up to be following the pattern that you're setting, to, to avoid issues, to avoid confrontation, to not address problems, to, to pretend that things don't exist. And they're going to carry that pattern with them into their relationships and, and possibly into their parenting style. So you're, you're basically setting them up to fail, which is the opposite of what you want to do as a parent. Now, I'd like to ask Pastor Steve this question. Some adults became parents too soon, like Brandy, for instance. What advice can you give them to help them fill that void that they may feel because they missed that teen or young adult part of their life? That's a great question. You know, so I think for many people, if you look at your life, kind of the, the overall trajectory of your life, I have a friend who, who was a, a young mom and she would end up go spend time with her girlfriends and a babysitter would come. And the thing that she would say to her kids when they're like, mom, don't leave, mom, don't leave, stay. She'd say, you want me to be a good mom? Mom needs some time with her friends and I'm going to come back and I'm going to be a great mom for you. And I, I just, I always love that because what, what she was doing was she was taking care of like a need that she had. And I think for many parents, uh, there are needs that they don't know how to actually foster. Mm-hmm. And so it, their identity becomes their kids or their identity becomes their work or their identity becomes their paycheck. I think the the healthiest piece is when you start to work on your life and you go, hey, I know that I'm going to need some healthy friendships, peer friendships. I'm going to know I'm going to need that community or the church. I think if you start looking at the whole life and start leaning into that, where are areas that I'm not doing well at? How do I give attention to that so that my kids can see the best example of me and of someone who's working at that? Very, very helpful. Thank you for that. Let's listen to our last sketch. This is called First Day of School. Let's see. Let's see. What else? Mom. Just give me a second, kiddo. I know there's something we're forgetting. I don't think so. Did you so. hear back from your advisor about your schedule? Yes. You have quarters for laundry? The machines in the dorms don't take quarters. They debit your student ID. Your ID! That's what we forgot. Mom! No! I told you. I worked everything out. See? I had it printed this morning. I picked a meal plan. I accepted a job through the work-study program. Bought a second set of bed sheets online. I have the campus map, the faculty directory. There's absolutely nothing left on my to-do list except my orientation dinner at 7. So, if you don't mind... All right, all right. I get it. You're independent. Congratulations. Let me just grab Dad so we can say goodbye. Where is Dad? Walter! Talking to your RA, what's his name? Ruben? No, Robert. Walter! Would you stop yelling? Chet wants us to go! And it has to be just like this, okay? I I think I can handle it, Mr. Callahan. That's what we forgot. Good going, Walter. What's happening? I was just showing this nice boy, Robert, this photo we took on your very first day of preschool. Look at my little man. We want to recreate it. 
like you see on the internet. Are you serious? I have your little backpack here uh, with the little duckies on it and your little hat. I don't know. Oh, come on. It'll take two minutes. Not even. I'm a master at recreating photographs. He's getting his minor in photography. What do you think of the desk area as a background? It's fine. It's fine. Let's just take the photo. Okay, Mrs. Callahan, turn a little to your left. Your left, yeah, a little more. Tilt your head like this, Mr. Callahan, and smile. I'm trying. That's perfect. Just tell me when. I don't want to blink. All done, actually. I took six. Tell me if you like them. Ooh, this one's perfect. My little man. Great, you got it. Now, can we kind of go? Just let me say one last thing before we leave. Son. I can go if you want. No, you're his resident advisor. You should hear this too. Chet, when you're a parent, the only thing you need to do is make it so you're no longer needed. And I'm just, your mom and I are just, we're both just so, just, 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 just. We love you, Chet, and we're very proud of you, is what your father is trying to say. Now, come on, Walter. He's not dying. He's going to college. Bye, Mom. Do you need a little money? I'm fine. Okay. Robert, what about you? No, thank you, Mr. Callahan. That's actually <laughs> against the rules. Oh, right, right. Good answer. Keep him out of trouble, would you? I'm walking to the car. G goodbye, son. Don't forget to call. I'm sorry about all of that. Yeah, don't sweat it. Happens every fall. It's hard for parents, you know? They're starting a new life now, too. I guess. Anyway, if you need anything, I'll be across the hall. Welcome to college. Thanks. Okay, so we heard Chet entering college, and of course his mom and his dad were making sure that he was okay. They had a checklist, they even recreated a picture of his kindergarten, his first day of school, etc., etc., etc. Now, Doctor, how do parents know when their children are prepared to go into adulthood? One of the things about being a parent, at least I assume, because I haven't actually launched my children yet, but I don't think you ever feel like the work is going to be done. I, mm -hmm. I can't see ever feeling like I've done everything I needed to do. It's all done, it's all right, everything's mm -hmm. right. But obviously kids grow up and they do launch on their own, whether you're ready for them to go or not, whether you think they're done or not. And one of the uh, interesting things I, I've encountered recently is, is some research that suggests that in American culture, we've kind of lost a tradition of formally recognizing adulthood and launching children and, and bringing them in front of the community and saying, okay, now you're an adult in the eyes of everybody here. And having lost that, we kind of lose a little bit of this sense of self. If anyone's interested in that, I'd highly recommend checking it out. Um, there's a lot of benefits, especially for young men, but uh, getting that recognition. But as a parent, I think it's just being able to step back and, and look at them and see they're doing it. You know, they're not going to be perfect. They're going to make mistakes. They are probably still going to be calling you for advice. They're still going to call you for money. I mean, it, it, you're, you're never going to lose them. <laughs> but knowing that, you know, they can do it on their own. Maybe not perfectly. They might need help standing back up if they trip and fall. But being able to look at them and say, you're doing it enough. And I'm still here with you. You know, I'll be there for to support you. But you've got this. Awesome. Well, I'm 40 years of age, and I'm still calling my mom. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, get some advice here and there from her and my dad. So, uh, Pastor Steve, dad mentioned that parents need to make sure that they're no longer needed. But 
Is this the case? I mean, independence is one thing, but guidance for life is something completely different. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I feel like I still call my dad. I need wisdom. There are times that I have intuition, but I don't have all the experience. And so to be able to have a guide like my dad who I can run an idea by, that's just a real asset, you know, and it's a real gift. And there are times where God's provided me other great men and mentors and women in my life that I can run things by. Even if you're listening and you don't have a parent, there's still wisdom around you. And how do you lean in? And I think that's where you get a greater chance of, I don't know, raising a healthy person and also being a healthy person. Great. Now, doctor, the thought of being empty nesters can also be scary for parents. How can they ease that feeling and also prepare for this new stage in their life? Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't launched my kids yet, so I'm kind of speaking to, to what I've heard and what mm-hmm. I've studied. But you know, a lot of times when you're raising kids, they become the center of your world. There's just this person or these people that you're responsible for. They can't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And of course, it becomes your top priority. And you spend one, two decades of your life just invested in this child or these children. And then when they go off, you kind of have that support is gone. That center is gone. What do you do now? You've got this person and you know what? You're in great shape because you know this is a great person. This is a person you chose to marry. This is someone you love. This is someone you've known. Obviously, they're high quality. But you've had 20 years of doing different things and you've both been focused on these kids and maybe you've kind of lost track of who each other are. I know we had a previous podcast about date night and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to just kind of holler out to that really quick. And dating is key. Even if you haven't been able to keep up a date night while the kids were at school and now they're going off in your emptiness, this is a great time to get started. Date your spouse again. Learn him all over again. Learn her all over again. Get to know who they are now, how they're the same and what's changed and how the two of you fit together now as a couple. Just refocus on that relationship as a center. And of course, the two of you are still there to support your children. And, you know, when they call for a conversation from college at three o'clock in the morning, and of course you're going to take that call. <laughs> but you can, you know, stay together, build your relationship back together, and live an even more enriching life than you had before. Very, very insightful. Thank you for that. Well, I would like to know if anybody has any uh, final thoughts, Pastor Steve. You know, one of the jokes my wife and I often will say back and forth to each other is, how do we know that we're going to be a great parent? Or how do we know that we're doing a good job? And the line we always say is, we know that we have done a good job as a parent when our kids go to counseling for different reasons than we go. Because, we, <laughs> you know, we, my job isn't to try and keep my kids out of counseling. They're going to go to counseling. I mm-hmm. want them to go. I want them to be around wisdom. But I just don't want to pass on the brokenness that was handed to me. And if I can be someone who breaks some generational patterns that has been handed down through year after year after year from my lineage, I want to break that. And I want to give my kids a different thing that they have to wrestle with cool. that would be a little bit more healthier. So that'd be my last thought. Break the generational patterns. Love it, doctor. Oh, uh, I would say it's just important to be invested in the kids and be invested in your partner, that you need to work together as a team, that you need to share your goals, you need to share what you're seeing with the kids, what you're seeing in each other. Because you know, I know for myself, I work different hours than my wife does, and she sees the kids at different times of the day than I do. And we might have totally different experiences of how their day went if we don't sit down and talk about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. She doesn't know what happened in the morning. And, and it's really critical to have that communication so that you can all be together and and that this guidance can be a very intentional and conscious project. Thank you so much for that. What an insightful podcast we've had today. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and tips. Pastor Steve, where can we learn more about your work at Willow Creek? Thanks for asking. You can check us out at willowcreek.org or watch one of our services at willowcreek.tv. 
And on that note, we end this episode of The Struggle is Real. Thank you so much for joining us. And also for additional resources, we are available at FamilyBridgesUSA.org. Stay up to date with us on social media with the hashtag The Struggle is Real or hashtag TSIR. Like always, thank you so much for tuning in. I am Omar Ramos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.